All right, everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. Praise the Lord. Let's make our way to our seats. Amen. It's always hard to clear that coffee bar out on the nighttime services, but we can do this, people. We can do this. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Who was with us this morning for our baby dedication service? Man, that was awesome. Six little ones dedicated to the Lord and their parents making that a decision to, to be committed to Jesus. So what a wonderful, wonderful service that we had. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and open up tonight. Let's stand up together. We're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America. Praise the Lord, because we declare that America is coming to Jesus and we're going to stand on the promises of God for this. Amen. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school. And every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise together tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right, Mama. Okay, so I have to introduce my new friends. Where are they? Oh, you guys can come up closer if you need to. Okay. You can come up closer if you need to. There's room over here on this second row. Okay, I am so excited. This is Ron and Jane, and they are from Rhode Island. So I'm super excited to have them with us tonight, but I just I just couldn't let that pass. What time is it? They're not from Cranston. They're from Barrington, where my dad's parents live. Oh, wonderful. All right. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. 
Amen. We don't get to meet people from that way too often, so that's super, super cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into our announcements for tonight. Uh, got a lot going on over the next few weeks as Easter approaches. But first of all, we want to let you men know that there is men's meeting this Saturday. Which men are coming? Amen. Now, I've got to correct myself that I put on the PowerPoint that it says, I don't know why I did that. It's not at 10 a.m. It's at 9 a.m. It's always been at 9 a.m. That's a terrible typo, but go ahead, baby. Help me out. Yay, men's meeting. Um, <laughs> Saturday is really busy and really wonderful, um, and we added more to it. So we thought that you might be bored on Saturday, and we decided that we were going to help you. So men's meeting is at 9 a.m. Saturday. 11 to 1 is our work day. We're going to clean up the property. Yes. Okay, so I've been corrected about a hundred times over the last two weeks. It's not work, it's serving the Lord, okay? And the cool part about that is Luke 638 is true for it. And so you give and the Lord will give it back to you. Room enough that you don't have enough room to receive it. So anyway, Saturday, eleven to one, bring all y'all out and anybody can pick up trash and clean up and all that. And they're gonna put fence slats in the boxcar yard. Um, so that we don't have to look at it. Yay. You know, it's kind of like your storage closet at home. You just don't want to look at it. And then we found out that prom is on April 9th. And the problem with that is that all these seniors that we want to come to young adults, they're going to their senior prom. So we moved young adults to Saturday too. So um, lots of them work on Saturday, and lots of them are not all men. So we're having an April 2nd at 6.30 at my house. So we will text you all that information if you're in any of those groups. And if you would like to get a text message about Workday, stop me before you leave. Yay, Saturday. All right, man. That is going to be a home run day for High Desert Word Center. Wow, all right. And it's not Workday, it's Fun Day. Fun, say it with me, everybody. Fun day. All right. <laughs> I can. Leah, do you want to come and talk about um, Easter for us? All right. Amen. Now, I also want to remind you that Dana and Liz Nile will be here on the 10th. Uh, they're our missionaries. They go to Vietnam. They go to Sri Lanka. I mean, they just go everywhere. But they're going to be here with us. And uh, Liz is going to be doing the women's meeting on the 8th. All right. And so I just uh, I saw the replay on YouTube of your performance this morning, guys. And uh, Lawrence, he smashed his Vanna White performance. I mean, he I almost wanted to buy a vowel. I was like, hey, can I get a vowel? But anyway, all right, go ahead. I really felt like I bombed it this morning. I was like, <laughs> I had been talking right before that. And so when I came and sat down, I really felt like I did not explain anything correctly. So, yes, don't do that. <laughs> so, um uh, what I wanted to talk about is for those of you guys that were not here this morning or did not clearly understand what I said this morning. I'm going to try it again, okay? <laughs> but I do want to actually repeat this so, so that um, you guys don't forget that we have these little uh, cards and stuff back here. And, oh, we, got, um, we do have a new Vanna uh, White over here today. Yes. <laughs> and he is white. <laughs> So um, back in the, um, these little peeps packages are $1.24 at Walmart. So those of you guys that didn't hear me this morning, they are $1.24 down at Walmart. And I printed a bunch of these little cards for you to put on little peeps that say, Jesus is risen, tell all your peeps. 
peeps, you know. And what I'm asking you all to do is go buy some peeps, put this on, put an invitation for Easter on the back of the package or the front, however you want to do it. I really don't care. And go around to your neighbors and invite them to our Easter service on April 17th, okay? It's a very cheap way for you to be able to go and have a reason to talk to your neighbors if you haven't talked to your neighbors yet. I mean, you know, we, we should just talk to our neighbors, you know? And so, and I, I promise you, me and uh, Desiree did this last year together. It was fun, okay? We didn't have doors slammed in our faces. We didn't, you know, have people telling us to get away from them. They were all very receptive and loving and kind and received the peeps. We didn't see any of them at Easter service, but that's okay. They now know Jesus is risen, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, $1.24 down at Walmart or wherever you guys want to get them. These little cards are back on the info booth. Grab. There's several different ones. Um, there's that one, that one, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like peeps, so I will not be eating them if you try and hand me. I already go to this church, so you don't need to give me a package of them. Um, the other thing that we have going on, yeah, yeah. So go to your neighbors. Give them the peeps. You don't get to keep them. You have to actually hand them the peeps and, you know, yeah. And um, the other thing that we have going on it for Easter is I'm asking for any families that would like to participate in this opportunity for us to be able to reach out to the new families that will be coming on Easter we have an opportunity for you guys to uh, buy a plant with a pot, okay? I bought this one for $13, so it's not very expensive. Find ways to decorate it or put some of your fav your family's favorite verses on it. I just tied a little string on here. I, I did tape it. I think it's just coming off. And, you know, I was we were able to put our names on it. And then at Easter, we're going to give you guys an opportunity to go up to a new family, grab your plant, go up to the new family, and introduce yourself and talk to them and talk to them about maybe the verses that are on your, your, your pot or your plant and just be able to make a connection with these new families because they're going to be coming in, and we're all great because we know each other, but they don't know us, you know. So this is an opportunity for us to be able to, you know, break, you know, break that little, you know, that thing that's kind of that little wall down and be able to, to talk to them. So um, if you are interested in doing that, um, there is a sign-up sheet at the uh, – oh, there's, there's a sign-up sheet being passed around. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Um, please put your family name on there and a, and a contact number so um, I can go ahead and get a hold of you. Kind of, you know, if you have any questions, you can get a hold of me too. But, um, and just, we'll, we're just asking you guys to have those, you know, ready by Easter. And again, decorate it, have your kids get involved. So I think that was it again. Am I good? Okay. <laughs> All right. Very good. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Mata family. Amen. They're in charge of our family life ministry, and they've just got lots of great ideas uh, for getting people into church. Amen. I love it. Now, um, we'll see these back on the info booth there. Okay, these are invitations to the Easter service. They're very, very easy. We talked this morning about how we each have a responsibility to share Jesus with other people, right? And so we've made it extremely easy. I mean, if you've got hands and, uh, and uh, you can, you know, do this motion. You can invite someone to church. It's simply that easy. All right. You can do this. So anyway, I've got 500 of these, but I'll print. We'll print more. All right. So take as many as you think that you can pass out and uh, just make sure that you take advantage of this opportunity. 
people have questions right now. People are looking at the world and saying, what's going on? What's going to happen next? And you can say, hey, I have put my trust in Jesus. Amen. And I'm ready. So anyway, take advantage of this. They're back there and we'll get more if you take all of them. All right. So praise God for that. All right. Who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time at HDWC because God just loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. And uh, if you're giving online there, you can go to HDWC.org slash giving. We're going to open our Bibles tonight to Luke 6. Luke 6. Yeah. Amen. Luke 6. And we are going to go there. We're going to go to one of the classic giving verses that we love. Luke 6 and verse 38, and I got to read it in the King James Version because that's how I learned it when I was just a wee little lad. Luke 6, and we're going to look at verse 38, and what a, I mean, a lot of us have heard this verse, you know, probably literally a million times, but maybe some of you haven't heard it, and then again, you need to hear it again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, amen? So Luke 6, verse 38, King James, it says, give and it shall be given unto you. Amen. That you reap what you sow. If you're like, man, no one ever gives me nothing. Hey, are you a giver? Give. And it shall be what? Given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And so I encourage you that we realize that as we give, we're not just doing it so we can get something back. We know that. We're giving because we love the Lord. We're giving because we want to see this church succeed and reach the families of Barstow. We absolutely, that's our motive for giving is our love for God. But it's undeniable that a wonderful byproduct of being a giver is, yes, things will be given back unto you. And so I encourage you. In this day and age where there's a lot of maybe uncertainty in the world and in, you know, the future, I, I see them talking about international food shortages and famine and all this crazy stuff that we've never even heard of in our lives. I'm like, oh, this is a great time to be a giver, to have some seed sown already, because when I need a harvest, I want to have seed sown for the harvest. Amen. You can't claim harvest if you never planted any seed. Am I right? I know I am. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand up together tonight. We're going to speak some faith over our finances because we do everything by faith. We are a faith church. Amen. The just shall live by faith. And so that is how we live our lives. It's not just a once a week thing. We're going to speak some faith here. And then tonight, Rayliana Garcia, for the first time ever, is going to solo lead worship for the adults. All right. Amen. So we're going to, hey, I was just telling her this morning, I remember when she was like this tall running around the church. I mean, she's grown up here and uh, it's been, okay, well, maybe you're like this tall. But anyway, yeah, it's, uh, so we're proud that she's going to be leading us in worship because Josh is out of town tonight. And so anyway, we're going to have a good time uh, singing to Jesus and then hearing the word of God. Amen. Let's go ahead and say these words together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, 
gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go.
devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus, our affection, our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus, our Poured out on the feet of Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Let's sing that again. Jesus, we Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. And Father, we just want to thank you that as we're in your presence tonight, we're going to hear you in our hearts about our lives, about our families, about what we need to do in this season of, of earth time to please you, to be able to finish our race the things you've gifted and called us to do. Lord, we want to thank you tonight that you live in us. You speak to us. Jesus, you said your sheep know your voice and they follow you. And so, Lord, we know that you already know everything from the beginning to the ending, from the start to the finish. And you said our steps are ordered by you. So thank you for clarity tonight, Lord, from the Word of God about how to finish this race successfully. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ron, uh, we're, we're, these services are live on the internet, on, on YouTube, and on Facebook. And we always know we're reaching Rhode Island, but I know for sure we're reaching Rhode Islanders tonight. <laughs> Amen. Let's see where this book's at. Oh. Well, how's the class going, guys? How's, how's your parenting class going? Anybody getting anything out of it? One nugget. One nugget. Somebody give me a nugget. Jose. Oh, you just, okay. Jose stood up. He beat. I thought, wow. Okay, it's a bathroom break. <laughs> For his little girl, head that direction. Can anybody give me one nugget to share for the parenting class? Don't quit. Yeah, I know that one. Oh, uh, speak speak up. Well, you, I'm got to repeat it because we'll have a mic in your hand. Go ahead, Sabrina. Oh, guidance over punishment. That is very good. Guidance over. Yeah, people got to know what to do or be the blind leading the blind. Amen. Yes, Nikki. I, you, you talk real soft. 
Kids, when, they, when you yell at your kids, they lose respect. You know what? That goes for husbands and wives, too. That goes for pastors and congregation, too. Yelling helps nothing. Amen. That's really good. That's, that's good direction. You know, I, I, I was just out in, in uh, New York. We just came back from Brooklyn with Joe, and, you know, he's, 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 got, he's got three that are all three years old and younger, so he's got a bunch of them there. And that's, that's I remember raising our kids, doing our child training, how it is so important just not to say no all the time, but tell them why we say no. You know, I know that when, when Joe, he's a big, brave Marine now, got all those kids, but I, but I realized by the time he was about two years old, his name wasn't No Joe. <laughs> That's the truth. I realized after a couple years that my primary thing was No Joe, No Joe, No Joe, No Joe, No Joe, No Joe. And we had classes like this at our church that we led off a video in our church there, and I realized instead of telling No Joe, I had to teach Joe why we're saying no. And the example I always remember, they had videos, they, they, they had little things on there showing you what not to do. And uh, they was having a church function like we have right here all the time. And this guy had a couple of wild, it's okay to say wild Indians still, <laughs> wild Native Americans. But he had a couple little kids running around like wild Indians. And uh, the wrong way to do it was, hey, hey, no, 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 stop running. The right way was to do it had grandma come walking through the church with a cup of hot coffee in her hand, coming around the corner, and the kids running. And so that was the way to teach them. Here's why you don't run in church. You don't want to hurt grandma. You don't want to hurt people. You don't know who's going to be walking through there, and you don't want to put your grandma in the hospital. Amen. Amen. And so that was showing some, some wise. And so anyway, we learned about a thing called teachable moments. When something goes wrong, Instead of just doing the hollering, you stop and do have a Ward Cleaver minute. Remember Ward Cleaver? Ron and Jane remember Ward Cleaver. They're my generation. I found that out a while ago. Ward Cleaver, at the end of the show, if you ever watch Leave It to Beaver, Ward Cleaver always at the end of the show, because the boys always got in trouble, stopped and had a conversation, not a chewing out. Said, boys, let's stop and look at that now. Is there anything we could have done that would have caused this to turn out different? And he always let the boys give him the answer so they figured it out themselves about what to do, but he made sure they had the right direction to tell them. So in our, in our kids' lives, whatever we made mistakes, would have been nice if we had parents would have shown us what not to do again. And, you know, another thing jumped out at me back then. How am I getting into this? I guess we need to hear this. Another thing that really helped me, I never understood. We had eight children, you understand. And so we had a whole lot of practice when we got down to this last batch. But I remember, I remember I used to always get upset with one of my little ones would drop a glass and spill over the floor. Well, one day in that class there, they explained, these little ones don't have the coordination we have yet, and they have a hard time holding on to that glass. And so when they spill the glass of milk, instead of jumping on them, have some compassion and help them, and have some patience till they get a good grasp on it, and you might give them smaller cups. Of course, now they put the lids on them anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. And, and the thing about the lids, it causes grandma and grandpa problems when they leave because we can't get the lids off. <laughs> anyway, 
I'm glad, I'm glad we're having these classes because we need to be able to raise up these children to love us, love Jesus, and love people. If all they ever see is mean adults, they're not going to like adults. Amen. I like them now because I learned. <laughs> all right. Are we ready? Well, tonight we're going to be talking about how you, how you can know if you're living by faith. Amen. Faith is one of the main topics of the Bible. I'm going to show you a couple books out of the bookstore. And uh, this is called The Real Faith. Really, really good Brother Hagen book. The Real Faith. And you know, that we, there, there's human faith. And then there's the God kind of faith. They teach us from the Bible. And then this one here is called How to Turn Your Faith Loose. How to Turn Your Faith Loose. And we're going to talk about something after the Bible tonight. But, you know, the main thing I want to tell you about the faith business is faith is not supposed to be spooky. It's not supposed to be a mystery. Jesus, in teaching in the Gospels, made this statement many times. He said, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. He said, those on the outside, they don't understand. And so a mystery is something that's a secret that you don't know the answer to. And so the Bible gives us the answers to faith, how faith works, how you can walk in faith and live by faith. And so tonight, I'm going to be talking about how you can know if you're a person that's living by faith. And I want to say it again, it's not something that's hard. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. And to me, I've always thought of my, of my Christian life of what I saw from the Midwest, we had, we had, we, we had one, one main river that runs through central Indiana called White River. And when White River was up, the water flowed. It was deep and it was fast. And when I was young, we would uh, put inner tubes in the water. And when we got in the water, man, it didn't take any effort. That, that current carried us. All we had to do was guide it because there were things sticking out of the water there were little, little rapids and falls and things like that. And we had just had to guide it. The current carried us. And so in, in this faith walk, when you get into the faith walk, the current, the power of the Holy Spirit will carry you through life. And what you've got to do is just guide which direction you're going. But that's how you get in the life of faith. You become born again. You're a faith person. So then you just have to know how to cooperate with the faith that God gives you, and the faith that God gives you will take you successfully through, through life. But when you see, are those, are those rapids we rode through, I remember this, we, if we saw logs sticking out somewhere or something going on that we didn't want to get in trouble with, or if we saw some ripples up there that we was coming to rocks, we was the ones that had to steer around them. We was the ones that had to steer away from those things because we had control. And so in your life, there's going to be lots of things come up to you in life that's not going to be good things, but you can use your faith to overcome those things and make it through them and around them. Amen. And so we're going to show you some of those things from the Bible tonight. But anyway, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> we're going to look at verse 5 and verse 6. But I'm going to look at verse 6 first of all. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And... You know, the, the, this, is a, this is a key verse on the life of faith that we talk about quite a bit around here. But Hebrews 11.6, I'm going to look at from, from an angle tonight that maybe you haven't thought of much. 
because it spoke to me the other day, and that's kind of why I'm teaching on it today, because it's fresh to me again. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that his rewarder of them that justly seek him. So this season of my life, I think about this verse nearly every day. And, you, you know, uh, Mrs. Pastor and I are in a transition that's like our whole faith life, like yours too. How many know that during your faith life, you continually come to places you've never been before? You come up against things you never had to deal with before. You come, you come through seasons where it looks like, what's going on? What am I going to do? And Mrs. Pastor and I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a strange thing. You know, we just speak from our hearts. We, we pioneered a couple churches back in Indiana. We came here. This church really wasn't doing very well in 2005. And so most of the people in this church are people that come to the Lord under our ministry here. That's some people have been here for a long time. But a lot of people either got saved through the ministry or through people go to church that led their co-workers their neighbors, their family, their friends to the Lord. Then some people came out of other churches. But the main thing is we grew this up and raised it up really good. Then there come a point in time two years ago where the Lord said, I need to start passing the baton, getting, getting the younger people trained up to take it over. And so when that happens, I've always seen in life since I've been a Christian really understand how life works as a life cycle. People are born. They live. Comes a point in time, hopefully they get to live to a ripe old age, and then they die. But if you're not dead yet, if you're staying healthy and alive, and God's in you, you still want to do something. And so, you know, that's, that's the place we come through in life. And so we're watching all the good things happen to this church. I mean, it's just so awesome. This church is growing right now. It all things, it's growing. People are getting help. People are getting answers. And we're ready to keep on doing something. But we know that here... We're over it all, but basically we're watching it all. They get to do it a little bit. And so the other day, as I was praying, I thought about Hebrews eleven six again. I think about this verse nearly every day, and about every day I look at this verse, that without faith it's impossible to please him. I just think about that all the time. I think about our life, and then I got to thinking about verse 5. How's my faith supposed to work right now? Well, the Lord let me know real plainly this is what I'm going to teach you tonight. I just need to live like Enoch did. Now I want you to notice the first word in verse 6. What is that? What's that first word? But. That's a conjunction. That means it's joined to the verse before it. Whenever you see the but, that's a conjunction. So verse 5 is why verse 6 is there. Amen. And so let, let's look at verse 5. It says, by faith, by faith, what does faith do? It pleases God. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. I know that uh, most people major on that part of the verse. But to me, at least for where I am, the last part is what we need to major on. Major. Uh, major on. By faith Enoch was translated should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. He had this testimony that he pleased God but see it's all one statement. 
He pleased God, but without faith, possible to please him. So it says right here that his testimony was he was a man of faith. And that's what pleased God. And you know, when you think about the translation part, here's a man walked so close to God, he just stepped right out of this world into that would never die. He just stepped right on through and kept on going. Well, we're not going to say, hey, we're going to have translation faith. That's not scriptural. That's something God did. It's very rare. But in our life, we can't have pleasing God faith. The testimony that we please God. And so he pleased God. And so uh, we want to look, I want to look at verse 6 again and take this double negative out. It says, but without faith is impossible to please him. We'll take that with the out part out and the M off of possible. And it says this, but with faith it's possible to please God. Amen. With faith it's impossible to please God. And so here's this man Enoch. And you know, you know, I think about this testimony. I, I taught at the end of the year, the last Wednesday night, about what we want written in the books that Jesus opens up about our life personally at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to read some of that again at the end of the sermon here. But the whole thing is, we want to be able, because that's Jesus giving our testimony. He's reading our testimony. And our testimony is our life, what we do, day by day, week by week, year by year. And uh, he's going to open up books, the Bible says, to read about our life. And I like what he wrote in the book. He wrote the book already about Enoch. God's already written in this book about Enoch said, Enoch, please me. He had this testimony. He pleased me. How many want that testimony about you for God to be able to testify about Lawrence? You know, I, I, I know Lawrence because Lawrence is like me. We're a couple people are pretty goofy if we don't walk close to Jesus. Well, Ron is too. I, 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 I think about that. <laughs> Cliff, Cliff did laugh. Nobody here knows about him except us, probably. <laughs> Gertrude, he Cliff. <laughs> Talk about Red Skelton days, Dad. Those guys know about it. But you know, we all got some goofy in us. But the thing is, we want to walk with God, and you know, we got our personalities. And so I know that if we if we start getting unhooked, then goofy takes over. Amen. So, in other words, what I'm saying is this. God knows we're not all perfect people. But if we walk with God, we'll please God. And we'll have a good, we'll have a good influence in other people's lives. The number one thing I know, you know, I think about what King David said. I've been young and now I'm old. In Psalm 37, 25, he said, I've been young, now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor seen his seed begging bread. I think one of the primary things, if there was a nugget I would, I would give younger people is this, that our number one thing we have in this life to offer is influence. Amen. We're going to influence people every day, good or bad. And, uh, you know, I realize that uh, people that sit up close, they do get to see their imperfections closer than we're up here in the preacher suit in front of people. But the people that live close to us, they see the real us. But the thing is, the more that we walk with Jesus, the real us will be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're looking tonight at how you can know if you're living by faith. 
And so because he said these things about Enoch, that Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God, and then he hooked that up to verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please him. Enoch was the one he chose to use for the example to set that verse up. So we need to look at something about Enoch. So we're going to Genesis chapter 5, and we're looking at verse 22 to 24. And I, I can assure you this is not going to be deep tonight. It's going to be simple. Because Jesus could go deep, but Jesus always went simple because he's talking to simple people. I want to say that again. Jesus could have went deeper than anybody because he was God. But Jesus always talked in parables. You know, he talked about carpenters, talked about fishermen. He talked about farmers. He always said things we could understand. And I know that in my life, from driving a truck for a lot of years, I, I give a lot of parables that he gives through me. They're about truck drivers. You know, there's a certain man, got a certain route, had a certain dispatcher, treating him this way. And so I go back to my life and think about the dispatchers I had that were good dispatchers and the dispatchers that were not good dispatchers. And my whole job was to love them with the love of God, be a good example. If they treated me good, bless them. If they treated me bad, bless them. And the whole thing is that's what life's all about. And, you know, I think about people, so many people, Christians, because they don't realize that God sends troubled people across their path to help those people not to get offended at those people. Well, as a matter of fact, it's truck driving parables. Here we come. You know, that's a really actually a true story. Back when I first married Mrs. Pastor, back in the early 80s, I was on the midnight shift working on the dock. And man, oh man, I'll tell you what, you know, you've never lived till you've worked on a truck dock all night long with people that don't know Jesus. So we... In between our trailer doors, there's a little shelf there, and we're all allowed to have little radios because we did a truck a long time working. So, man, had this guy on this side, he was into rock, and the guy on this side was country. And so this guy turned his up, and this guy would have to turn his up. And I was in between, I was trying to listen to Christian stuff. <laughs> and it, it, got, it, got, it got very, very serious out there. People getting mad, I couldn't get mad. So I just had to shut mine off. But anyway, it, it was rough. And I remember I was praying. I was praying one night, my usual prayer. Lord, I bind the devil in the name of Jesus. I'm going in here, Lord. I just want to thank you for, for peace so I can listen to my Christian radio. I thank you for peace. And then one night the Lord said, real plain, he said, you're, you're praying the wrong prayer. And I said, what? He said, those people are lost. They need me. He said, you be praying that their hearts are open to receive the gospel through you. And so I changed my praying. Instead of praying for my little selfish peace in my little work zone, I started praying for peace out there so they'd have open hearts so I could share Jesus with them. And you know what started happening? Absolute truth. I started leading people to Jesus one by one on that dock. And by the time I left that job about three years later, I forget what the percentage was, but something like 60 or 70% of the people I'd led to a prayer of salvation. But the whole thing was, I changed what I was believing and seeing to what God had to say. I hooked up with him. That made it so nice. You don't know how nice it was when you got people out there that are treating you really, really rough, and all of a sudden, they're letting you hold their hand and pray with them in the break room. And then people start looking at you instead of just picking on me and telling me, Mr. Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, whatever it was they called me. They called me names like that. 
all of a sudden I had a buddy, oh, you're hanging out with Bernie now, so you're going to start going to the Bible study? That was a whole lot better getting cussed all the time. Amen. So that, that's where we was then. So back to back here to chapter 5 of Genesis, verse 22 to 24. Enoch had faith to please God. And so uh, here's basically about the main three verses of the Bible. It tells about Enoch. And Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And then he begat Methuselah 300 years, begat sons and daughters. And all the days of of Enoch were 365, and Enoch walked with God. And Enoch walked with God. And Enoch walked with God. I can tell you this, Bernie's going to please God, because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk with God. And this said he was not, for God took him. He was translated. as said Enoch walked with God. And so I know in this season of life, if I don't know what else to do, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to love the people of this church. I'm going to oversee the leaders of the church and keep them going the right direction. If God gives me other things to do, I'll do them. If not, I'm going to do what I've done the last 42 years. I'm going to keep walking with God. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk with God. And by being a Bible teacher, I don't just tell you something, but I'm like Jesus as a teacher, I'll show you how to do what he says to do. Amen. It's one thing to tell you, hey, isn't that good? It's another thing to show you how to do it. And so it says that Enoch's the one that pleased God because he lived by faith. And then it says how he lived was he walked with God. And walked with God, God called that faith because in Hebrews he said he pleased him. That's his testimony by walking with God. And so how did Enoch walk with God? That make God that made God say that. And so I want you to go to Amos chapter three, verse three, and you probably won't find it in time for the service. So <laughs> I got my marker in my Bible so I could find it again. But Amos is right after right after uh, Daniel and Joel and around Jonah and the well story. But Amos chapter three, verse three. Amos chapter three, verse three. Now listen to this. This is so good. It's so simple. And God said, can two walk together? What did Enoch do? Who did he walk with? He walked with God. So what were they doing? They were walking together. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Except they be agreed. And so years ago when I was reading that verse and meditating on it, the Lord said this to me. And, you know, I'd been... I knew that verse for years. Matter of fact, I, that book we wrote that's in the bookstore, that's a, that was a key verse, Amos 3.3. 3. But I realized one day, really by the Holy Spirit in me, this, that what he was saying there is that too many people's lives, they're trying to get God to agree with what they want to do. And he's already told us in Malachi chapter 3, I'm the Lord, I change not. Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever. But then Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're supposed to be changed from glory to glory. So if we're going to walk with God, now listen to this. This is one of the key things you're going to get a hold of for tonight. If we're going to walk with God, somebody's going to have to change. It's not going to be him. 
And so this tells me about Enoch. Now listen to this. We're talking about how you can know if you're living by faith. This tells me about Enoch, that Enoch, for 365 years, he walked with God. That means for 365 years, Enoch said, Okay, Lord, if I know what to do, I'll do it. Not my will, thy will be done. Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'm going to change and I'm going to do it. Lord, if that's what you want me to do. And, you know, in modern day life, that's talking about who you marry, where you work at, where you live at, where you go to church at. All your life is just always being willing. Uh, do you know that, uh, Lord, if Jesus is your Lord, that means he's your master? If he's your master, he ought to be able to let you know where you're supposed to work at. And, you know, your first thing should not be, what's the benefits and how much does it pay? Your first thing should be, Jesus, what's the perfect will of God? Amen. You know why? Because anything, Pastor Dave hit it good this morning. I'm glad that he did. Anything that God has us as believers involved with in some way could be connected with bringing the gospel to people. Oh, Lord, I don't want to work on that job. They're just all sinners there. Give me a job with all Christians. Man, you want to turn into a religious nut? I'm serious. If all you do is sit around all the time with Christians, listen to Christian music, talk with Bible verses, then how are you going to win any lost? I've done better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. So when we're praying, not, not my will, but thy will be done, well, Lord, I got these choices right here. Which one do you want me to make? Well, I'll tell you what, back in 1985, the year that Pastor Dave was born, the Lord had me leave Teamsters and take another job that was half the pay. And wow, man, I'll tell you what, talk about jumping into the fiery pit with the devil and his pals. My boss and the right-hand truck driver worked with me. They were American Legion drinking buddies. And man, it was rough, 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 rough. But there was two people needed Jesus. It was those two. And it was tough, tough, tough. I was lied on. I was slandered. I was called everything. And I made a mistake that don't you ever do. After a couple years of that, I quit the job because I didn't, couldn't stand the heat from those two guys. And I took a teamster's job. And the teamster's job I got, well, I thought I, thought I was working for the son of the devil, that other job. I started to work for the devil on the next job because I left Teamsters. Man, it was rough. I jumped out of the frying pan into the fire because I didn't stay put where God wanted me. And so, after, so I, would, I testified to all my Christian friends, God blessed me. He got me back up to the big bucks again. Things got worse and worse and worse. I was making twice as much, but my bag had a hole in it and the money wasn't there. And finally, one day, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, where are you going to quit lying? I said, what? He said, why are you telling everybody that I blessed you with this new job? He said, you know why you left. And so then I changed. I repented. I began to tell people. I had a job where God had me at, and my family was blessed. And I left because I couldn't take the heat. And now it's not working any good. Within just a very few months, he got me a really good job because I repented. For what I'd done. And so we as Christians, 
have to know that the decisions we make cannot be based upon sense knowledge only, upon what we see and what we think. We got to be led by the Spirit of God where we go. You know, I think about a, a sign I saw in front of a church one time back in Indiana said, said, you marry a child of the devil, you always have trouble with your father-in-law. And so sometimes people make wrong decisions in who they marry. If you really listened to the Lord first, you wouldn't have got married for the love and affection of the flesh. You would have got married for the love of God. Amen, amen, amen. So Enoch obviously chose in his life to submit his will to God and to choose he chose to follow God's plan for his life and to do his best every day for 365 years to live in agreement. Get to walk together except they'd be agreed. He chose to change his desires to God's desires, to be in agreement with God and God's word to do what's right in God's eyes. And so I want you to think about that. Our Hebrews 11, 6, we quote all the time, but without faith it's impossible to please him. Verse 5, Enoch had this testimony that he pleased him. Genesis chapter 5, how did he please him? He walked with him. You know, there's no mountain-moving faith exploits in Enoch's life. He never raised the dead. He never parted the Red Sea. He didn't build an ark. What did he do? It looks to me like Enoch was like me and like you. He was an everyday believer that just chose, I'm going to stay saved. I'm going to do what's right. If I do wrong, I'm going to be quick to run to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I did wrong. Help me. I'm going to be, I'm going to be quick to change my thinking. When I find out my religious beliefs have been wrong in some area, and the Bible teaches me different, I'm going to be quick to say, whoa, wait a minute. I've always believed that part wrong, but now I see it in the Bible, so I'm going to change agree with the Bible. So what are you doing? You're in agreement with the one you're walking with. If you're walking with God, it says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Amen. And what I, what I want to do, I would have really have liked to went through Hebrews chapter 11 tonight and look at some of the great faith people, Abraham, Moses, Sarah, a whole lot of people that Hebrews 11 teaches about are faith people, but the Lord had me go a different route, so I'm going to close this up head in a different direction, and I want to look at a few people that every one of us is familiar with, how they walked with God, how they stayed in agreement with Him so God could do what He wanted to do through them. How would you like to see some different faith people than the regular ones you see in the book of Hebrews? Just simple faith things and what they did, that, that what, that's what helps me because I think I'm a real person, and I'm preaching to real people. I'm not preaching to faith giants. I'm preaching to people that walk with God that can be faith giants in what God's called them to do. Amen? And so go to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at uh, who gave birth to Jesus. Does anybody know? Mary. Would you say that was a faith woman? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I think she must have been a faith woman if she can carry the Son of God in her womb and give birth to Him. And so we're talking about a woman that walked with God like Enoch walked with God to see what she did. She's definitely a woman of faith. Hebrews chapter, or Luke chapter 1, and the angel Gabriel, which 
you know, Christmas time, you all hear the story and everything. Angel Gabriel come, appeared to her, then talked to her, to her husband later on. But uh, the angel appeared to her and told her that you're going to carry the Son of God in your womb. And this woman was not married, didn't, didn't have a man to know husband-wife things. And so she questioned the angel, how could this be? I don't know a man. And so then the angel said, and this, this is such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful verse. The angel said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. And, you know, for all of our lives, I'm sure that everyone sitting here, everyone watching out there is going through things in life where you've heard somebody tell you, with God, nothing's impossible. You've seen the verses. You've been looking at health things, family problems, job problems, money problems, things in your life going on. You think, how could this be? That's what she said. And then when the angel said, for with God, amen, with God, no thing, nothing shall be impossible. And so then Mary, instead of debating and trying to figure out, here's, how, here's what Mary said. Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, you need to underline this, be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. And so no matter how impossible things look in your life, always be open to the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God to your heart and respond with, be it unto me, according to thy word. When Gabriel gave her God's word, what was God's word to her? With God, nothing's impossible. You know, I look at that, you know, because of the teacher thing in me, I see words different than I did before I was a Bible teacher. When I see the nothing, I see two words, no thing. No thing shall be impossible with God. And, you know, you've heard all of our testimonies about healing stuff in our family, etc. And so everything, everything that I've come up with against in life that was impossible, I've always went to things like this where God said, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And so how could I know I was with God? I'm going to be like Enoch. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to come in agreement with God. If God says, by Jesus' stripes, you were healed, I'm going to say, be it unto me according to thy word. If God says, for tithers I rebuke the devourer, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to say, be it unto me according to thy word. If God says, love never fails, I'm going to love. Et cetera, et cetera, whatever it is, the word of God says, when you're walking with God, you'll always know when God's talked to you through his word, You'll read verses a lot of times, and there'll be some times you'll be reading your Bible, and all of a sudden that verse jumps off the page and into you. And all of a sudden you realize this is not just me reading the Bible, this is God talking. And when God speaks to your heart, you don't need to question it then. It's just, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And you know, you stop to think about, and you know, I, I was thinking about, I'm going to look at three examples, right? That's one of them, Mary. But I got to thinking about it. Every great miracle, pretty much, that I can see in the Bible, there was a man or woman involved. It wasn't just God. You think about this. God does not violate our free will. And so with Mary, God had to find a willing vessel he could plant his seed in, the Word of God in. Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and planted the Word, and the Word became flesh. So God had to find somebody he could talk to 
and say, you know what, can I borrow your body? I want to plant my son in you so he can become the Savior of the world. And so Mary stopped right there when Gabriel said, with God nothing shall be impossible. And she shut her head off and said, I'm not going to figure this out. Just you said it. According to your word, do it. How can you know if you're living by faith when you make that choice? That when God speaks to your heart about the possibilities of life, and think about this, if it was possible without God, then it wouldn't be faith. I said if it was possible to do it without God, it wouldn't take faith. You know, as long as I got money in my pocket, it doesn't take faith to fill up my gas tank. That doesn't take faith. I got the money. I just pay for it. I remember one time about... Uh, Oh, boy, probably close to 40 years ago, I did a funeral. I was doing a funeral, and the gas was a lot cheaper back then, and I, I didn't have much money at all. This funeral was way out of town from where I was, and, I mean, I was really, really, really broke. And so by faith, I drove that car to do that funeral a long ways off, and when I got there, got through doing the funeral, the man gave me $5 for preaching a sermon over his mom's body laying there. He gave me $5. I couldn't wait to get out of there and get to the gas station because I was running on faith and running on fumes. So I got out of there, and I started driving away to get to the closest gas station. I was going down the road. Before I got there, that old car started sputtering. <laughs> and so I prayed, and I, it seemed like I must have went two or three miles. I don't know how far it was. I was on this highway, two-lane highway, and I would go for a while, and start slowing down because I started uphill a little bit. And I just pray and love Jesus, praise it, Jesus, because I knew the station was coming. And then I hit a little dip and I go down again. And the speed would pick up and it would level off. And I knew I was still away from the gas station. And man, I was praying for a tailwind. I was doing all I knew to do. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is, it took faith to put gas in that car. And so I coasted in the gas station. And gas was a whole lot cheaper back then, so I put $5 in. And $5 probably lasted me for about a half a week, so I got more money. But what I'm saying is, it takes faith to please God for things that you can't do. Things that you don't have the money to do. Things you don't have the ability to do. When God puts it in your heart, he wants you to do something. You need to realize that faith pleases God. And one big way faith is, works is with your heart and your mouth get in agreement. Jesus said, you have whatsoever you saith. And so when you open your mouth, when God puts that word in your heart, you say, no fear. Yes, Jesus, be it unto me according to thy word. That's what we'll do. Amen. Is that helping you? That's how you walk by faith. I want to look at a couple more examples, and then we'll wind it down. But I want you to go over to chapter 5. Chapter 5. How many believe that Peter was a man of faith? I mean, Peter's the only one who ever got out of the boat and walked on water. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? And, you know, I heard Brother Copeland say something years ago that if you don't think about this, you don't really see it. It says Peter got out and he started walking on the water, and then it says he beginning to sink. You don't sink in slow motion if you're out of the boat. You don't begin to sink. You jump out of the boat, you sink. You don't just begin to sink, you sink. And so when Peter got out of that boat and he started shifting his eyes, 
from the faith arena with Jesus to the natural, then he began to sink. So you jump out of the boat in the flesh, you go down like a rock. You just go. And so Peter was, was the only one that began to have the faith to step out there and do something with his faith. Amen? And so Peter was a man of faith, but in this right here with the disciples at the first miracle recorded in the Gospels, uh, Jesus at that wedding of Cana. And then I want you to see this, and Mary's involved with this one again. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4. Uh, the previous verses, Jesus had... Luke. Uh, get, 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 cut me some old man slack. <laughs> okay, Luke chapter 5, verse 4. Jesus had just used Peter's boat to preach to the multitudes. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. He said, Simon, he said, go back and go fishing again. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. He said, we fished all night long, haven't caught anything. Commercial fishermen, experts, made their living by fishing. Said, we fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus said, go back out for a catch. And then, Jesus, and then Peter responded, nevertheless, at thy word, at thy word, we come to an agreement again with the word. At thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this, thus done, they closed the great multitude of fishes, and their net broke. And so what, what he's saying here is this. No matter how many times you've tried something and failed, when God speaks to your heart, your answer's got to be, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll go again. At thy word. And you know, as I, as I was thinking about this verse here today, I think about our lives. How many know, as human beings, it's possible to get the plan of God, but to get ahead of the plan? Has anybody besides me ever got something from God you, wanted, you knew you wanted you to do, you went and did it, and you fell on your face, and then you realize I missed it? It wasn't time. I missed it. That was me. I jumped out there. wasn't faith. It was presumption. I thought about this verse when I was thinking about this today, that what Peter was saying, Jesus, look who we are. Can you see us, Jesus? You're Jesus. We're fishermen. Jesus, you specialize in preaching and helping people. We specialize in catching fish. Duh. How many of you in your life have ever known God wanted you to do something, but you thought, man, I've missed it so many times, I just don't want to do that again. I can't take another hurt. I can't take another hit. It seems like I've got arrows in me all over. My spiritual armor's got arrows everywhere because I've got hurt so bad. And then God speaks to your heart. And he says, Jamie, now you go back there and you fish again. And then Jamie's response has got to be, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll do it again. That's the same thing for Chuck, Betty, anybody else in here. When God speaks to your heart, well, I'm not so sure if I even know when God speaks to my heart. What did Enoch do? He walked with God. Because he walked with God, he began to know God's voice. He began to know the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
And I'll, I'll tell you one thing that you've got to learn about walking with God. There's been so much spooky teaching that God talks to everybody all the time in a voice they hear, and most people hear those voices in their head are goofy. Because God's not a head. He's not in the mental realm. God's a spirit. We're spirit beings. He speaks to our heart by the witness in our spirit. And sometimes we hear things, but when we hear things, when you understand the Bible, it's your spirit relaying things to your understanding. And you begin to get impressions where you just know that you know what's, what God is saying to you. But walking with God, you're going to know in your heart, this is what I'm supposed to do. And you may never have words you can put with it. It's just annoying that you know that you know this is what God wants me to do. He wants me to do this. And the more you walk with him, the more you submit your life to him. And that's what walking with God is. And that's what husband and wife relationships are. When husband and wife become one, they submit to one another and they change things they wanted to do. You know, twice in the last week I had to reverse the toilet paper again. She always puts it on the bottom side. I want to come across the top. And so. <laughs> but when, when she catches me reverse, then we'll play reversal a few times. And uh, <laughs> But but we little things in life as husbands and wives, we make adjustments. Things don't matter. But we change things for the other one. Amen. Well, walking with God, but you make those little adjustments. You know. Uh, I know as a baby Christian, man, I had to be all, had all kinds of adjustments in my life there to where I'm a whole lot better shape than I was, but I still know i got a long ways to go. Because when God shows me something to change, and I change that, uh, that, that attitude, I change that action, I change those thoughts, those feelings, when I do that, then it says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The more you grow the more you see what not to do and what to do. And every time you make an adjustment and change, you're walking closer to him, and then it's going to be easier to know in your heart, this is what I'm supposed to do, because you're walking closer with him. When you don't know something, you can get by on ignorance for a while because you don't know. But if you really want to walk with him, he expects you to grow. And when you grow, you're going to start knowing more. And you know you change, and what are you doing? You have the testimony. You're pleasing God. Why are you pleasing God? Because you're growing. How are you growing? Because you're changing to do more than he wants you to do. Amen? And so Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word. And so I want to say this again. There's going to be times where the Holy Spirit speaks something to your heart. And you're going to know it's God. But because of your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and past failures, past hurts, you're, you're, you're going to kind of want to resist that. But if you know in your heart that you know that you know this is what I'm supposed to do, your response has got to be, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll go do it again. And then you'll catch what he wants you to catch. And so we need to always be open to that. And the last place I want to look at is John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Now we're back, now we're to the wedding. John chapter 2, they're at the wedding, and Jesus just wanted to be there and enjoy himself, I guess, because his mother wanted him to go do something, 
And he says, it's not my time yet. And so verse 5, then his mother said to the servants, the ones working at the wedding, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And of course, you probably, I hope you know the story, that then the disciples, the servants, they went and got the water. And when they got the water and did their part, then Jesus did his part. They could get the water, they couldn't turn it into wine. Jesus could turn it into wine, but he needed somebody to get the water. And so in our lives, we've got to know that there's always the God part and the man part. And you know, you go all back through the whole Bible, think about Moses and the Red Sea. He wanted to bring them out of Egypt. They, they had to get behind Moses. And they had to trust that Moses was hearing God. And so then God told Moses, that rod represents the authority I've given you. You hold the rod up. And so Moses did his part. The people did their part. And then God did his part. He parted the Red Sea. They walked out. But if they had to cooperate, God could have done his part. And just every one of these things I've looked at in the Bible, let you think about it again. Mary had to say, according to your word, God said, okay, that's your part. You hooked up. Now here's my part. I'll put my baby in you. And then you get down, you get down to Peter. God said through Jesus, I want to fill your boat up with fish. And then Peter said, okay, that's your word. And so they did their part. They went back out. He filled the boat up. Then Jesus said, I want to take care of this feast and give this something really to drink. And so they went and got the water, and God turned it into wine. So in, in your parts, in your lives, whatever it is in your lives that God wants to do, when he puts it in your heart what to do, then you've got to act on the word of God. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And let me tell you this. If you're not sure if he said it, don't do it. I learned a long time ago, I'm not going to do something because Dr. Barkley did it. I may do the same thing he did, it's only because he told me to. And so when we give you testimonies out of our lives, you hear testimonies of other people's lives, if God hasn't told you to do it, don't do it. One more little story I'll give you. True story, real story. There was a sheriff that became really good friends with us back in life, back in Indiana. He wasn't a deputy. He was the sheriff of a county. And we knew him after the fact. And we hung out. We did a lot of things together. He told me one time that he went for three years as a sheriff and couldn't hardly seem to do anything. He'd been at a meeting. There was a preacher up preaching. And the guy said, if you believe that God's healed you, throw away your glasses, stump them. And he thought, wow. I believe God's healed me. He stumped on his glasses. He said for three years, I couldn't even hardly see him drive my car. And he was the sheriff. Well, see, he didn't act on the word of God to his heart. He acted on emotions because of people saying things and doing things. So just because something sounds good to you, you've heard, until you know in your heart, don't do it. But once you know it, do it. Amen. I want to read one more thing. This is, this is out of what I preached the last sermon of the year of 2021. And I, and I wrote this down, and I've shared it a few times. I want to share it again. It's something real simple. What do you want written in the book Jesus is going to read about you? And so I wrote this down. What I want and what I believe we all want. Number one, I want Jesus to have my book 
that Bertie stayed saved. He lived like a Christian every day in every situation. Lived like a Christian. You know what that's called? Walking with God. Stay faithful in church attendance every month. Stay faithful. And when I wrote that down, I want to say, again, Mrs. Pastor types up my notes and stuff we put on the screen. She said, why don't you say every service? I said, I can't say that because people have life. And you put condemnation on them. People think they've got to be here every service. We want to be here every service, but life happens. You have to take care of things. And so that's why I said, stay faithful in church attendance every month. If something happens, you have a bad season, stay faithful anyway. Man, get back in, get hooked up, but don't take condemnation because life hits you. Does that make sense? Amen. And then I stay faithful in what Jesus has gifted and called you to do in church and in the secular world. You know, all the preachers aren't in the pulpit. You're all preachers to one degree. Who do you preach to? Your family, your neighbors, people you work with. And so God has gifted you in things to do. And so whether you're at Walmart, you're at the fort in the school system, the gas station, wherever you work at, and God's blessed you to be there, stay faithful there. You'd be the best gas pumper they got. Well, people don't pump gas anymore, do they? I did, but that was back in that other generation. But anyway, whatever God's gifted you to do, stay faithful. Whatever he's gifted you to do in church, stay faithful. That's called walking with God. That's how to know you're living by faith. And then also stay faithful with tithes and offerings. Stay faithful with God in what he's called you to do. And then this is a biggie. This here's a big one. Be quick to repent if you sin or begin to backslide. If you catch yourself and recognize, uh-oh, uh, Mr. Goofy's showing up again. Mrs. Goofy's back. Say, uh-uh-uh, you're going to get back where you belong. You're not going to leave my life. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Get back hooked up. Don't get out there so far you can't get back. Be quick to forgive others that wrong you. Just if you do those few, few things there, when Jesus reads the book of your life, then he's going to have this testimony that Lily pleased God. Amen, that Susan pleased God. That's what we want to know, that we please God. And for my life, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live by faith every day. Not a perfect person. I'd like to be, but I know me. But I've got to know this. I can love God every day. I can serve him every day. And if Goofy shows up, as soon as I recognize him, hey, Goofy, no, you get back over there. You're not going to run my life anymore. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand up. Amen, amen, amen. Don't know about you, but I preached myself happy. Ray Lowry, you're doing a good job, girl. Amen. I think he was this tall. <laughs> Debbie Ray, we're, we're proud of her. We're proud of her. Well, team, come on up here. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, as, as Ray Liana uh, helped bring in the anointing at the end, we worship Jesus. I just think about, you know, the Bible that I know, the Bible principles I know, laying on a hand is really a big thing with God. And so, you know, we'll pray for anything. If you want prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. But if you just want blessed, come up here. We'll lay hands on you, and we'll release the anointing of God in your life because 
the times we're living in right now, they really are serious. But greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. We've got the answers to every problem that anybody across our path can be facing because the one that has the answers lives in us. And we walk with him, when the answers they need come out, they'll be the answers God has. Amen? So come up here if you want prayer. And if you don't, we'll worship God together. Then we will be dismissed in a few minutes.
Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, who had a good time with us tonight? Amen. It's always a good time when we're in the Lord's house together. Amen. What a great thing to be a part of a family. It's awesome. Well, praise the Lord. We're going to go ahead and close out in prayer tonight. And, uh, of course, I want to remind you that we've got these invitations back there. So you need to be praying about who you're going to invite uh, to the Easter service so they can hear the gospel message. And, uh, and I mean, if you're just going to take a bunch and put them somewhere, you know, by all means, uh, let's get people in here so we can give them the good news that Jesus is alive and he wants to be a part of their life. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and we are going to close out in prayer this evening. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for the word that we have received tonight. And Lord, just like Enoch, God, we thank you that we're going to walk with you consistently, faithfully, Lord. And we know that he was just a normal, average guy. But God, he had such a testimony that he pleased you and he walked with you. And we want the same word spoken about us someday. And so, Lord... We thank you that we're taking this word in our hearts tonight, and we are sticking with you, and we know that the best is yet to come in our lives because we love you, and we are going to remain faithful to you. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Can someone say amen? Amen. All right, let's close out with our Barstow Faith Confession tonight. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday.